why do you want to be a speaker? Why do you want to be some sort of influencer? Because I find that the people who want to be these things probably are the least likely to be those things. I'm Michael Mogul, founder and CEO of Crisp, the nation's number one law firm growth company. I've built my business through practice, not theory. Crisp started with just $500 to my name and has grown to over eight figures in revenue over the last few years, earning a spot on the Inc. 500 list of the fastest growing private companies in America. Our approach has been to take everything we've learned about generating massive growth within our own organization and help the country's most ambitious and committed law firm owners do the same for theirs. In each episode of this podcast, I sit down with innovative market leaders from the legal industry and beyond to learn from those who thrive in the face of adversity, challenge the status quo, and define what it means to be a true game changer. This is Jessica, head of coaching strategy at Crisp, and today we're flipping the script for another special edition episode to get Michael's take on how to make a strong impression and secure the best speaking opportunities, the do's and don'ts of delivering a memorable and meaningful keynote presentation, and how to maximize your impact when sharing the stage. The best thing to be is genuine and authentic and transparent and bring humility. And also when you're answering questions, try to experience share in your answer. So like actually sharing, well, here was my experience with this. Here's how I went about this. Here's what I learned and be insightful and valuable to your audience. That's coming up on the Game Changing Attorney Podcast. All right. Welcome back to our regularly scheduled AMAs, the AMMA. Yes. Ask Michael Mogul anything. You guys submit the questions. I provide the answers. Just ask the questions. It's an incredible format that's worked amazingly well and has been so far our highest rated episodes, most listened to, most downloaded, most subscribed. So thank you guys for that. It's humbling and I will not allow it to go to my head. So that's why Jessica's here. She always brings me down to reality. So if you're tuning in this episode for the very first time, we run three types of episodes on this podcast. Okay, so we've got our traditional interview format. That's where we bring in experts from the legal industry and beyond, elite athletes, best-selling authors, great trial attorneys, etc., and pick their brain, ask them all the different types of questions that I know you all are interested in, I'm certainly interested in, and then we release those episodes on the podcast. Then we've got our encore editions. So these are the most popular episodes from the podcast. We've done several hundred episodes, and these are the ones that we bring back by popular demand. Someone wants to listen to, maybe you've joined the podcast recently or in the past year, maybe you haven't listened to every single one of the hundreds of episodes. So this is an opportunity to get up to speed on some of the incredible guests that we've had. And then finally, we've got the AMMAs, you guys submit the questions, I answer the questions, and you can submit them to 404-531-7691. That is a real number, and we will answer your questions on the podcast. Now, we usually theme them out. It keeps the episodes more focused, and we like for them to be digestible, bite-sized. Maybe you're listening to this episode right now, and you're in the gym. Maybe you're on your way to work. Maybe you're on your way home from work, and we are in your earlobes. It's amazing. Thank you. I re greatly appreciate that. Or maybe you're watching it on YouTube, in which case you're just watching a video. Final thing I'll say is we do not run any ads on the podcast. For those of you who've been listening to this podcast for several years, you may be wondering and you may be percolating, perhaps, hmm, interesting. I only keep listening to this episode and yet there never is a stop where they run ads. Well, we certainly get opportunities to run ads all the time. We've had numerous sponsors reach out that want to sponsor the podcast and offer us tons of money and that actually could be nice. I have thought about it, but then get back to our principles and we say, you know what? We're not going to run ads on this podcast because once you start taking their money, well, then maybe they start influencing the formatting. Maybe they say, oh, I don't want you to have certain speakers and I don't want you to talk about certain things or use certain words or talk about specific topics. We will not have that. So 
When you don't take the money, guess what? You get to say whatever the hell you want. Your guests get to say whatever the hell they want. And you get to bring on whoever the hell you want. And that's what we want to continue to do. So the only thing that we ask is that if you get any value from this podcast whatsoever, let's say you listen to this episode, you gain a new insight, something that's helpful to you, or maybe we make you laugh, okay? Go ahead and share this episode with a friend and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, right? Or Spotify or wherever you're listening to the podcast. Leave us a five-star review. It helps us reach more people. It helps us get great guests onto the podcast and it helps us keep the podcast free. So with that, Jessica, what do we got this week? All right. We had a plethora of questions. And this one's actually very interesting because I remember the days of us even getting started in the legal industry. So with that, I will kick it off. I have been considering submitting a proposal to speak at a legal conference, but I'm hesitant because I've never spoken at such events before. What advice do you have for first-time speakers looking to make a strong impression and secure speaking opportunities? Well, I remember when I had my first speaking engagement. Me too. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Everybody wants to speak on stage, and these days everybody wants to be an influencer. But the reality of it is, when you look at how most legal conferences are being run, unfortunately, and I'm, again, I'm going to say something that's going to be fairly divisive and kind of like a, a little bit of a secret, but not really a secret for those of you that attend legal conferences, is that the majority of the speakers that you see on stage are pay to play. They are paying money, whether they're an exhibitor, a sponsor, et cetera, in exchange for speaking time. And if they're not paying for, let's say, a sponsorship, then maybe they have some sort of relationship with a conference organizer or there's some internal business interest. We can do a whole podcast on this. I'm going to get a lot of flack for this, but this is the nature of how these things go. Not all of them, but many of them. So first of all, you have to understand that you're probably not going to get an opportunity unless you are willing to pay to play, in which case you have to invest money in the form of, let's say, a booth or a sponsorship. And some of those include a 10 to 15 minute speaking slot where you can speak, let's say, while another main session is going on in the back room. I mean, I did this for years. Yes. Right. That's all we did. And it's incredibly expensive, too. So that's tough. Now, there's other ways to be able to secure speaking opportunities, in which case, if you differentiate yourself significantly, like let's say you are an expert on law firms using artificial intelligence and you can go around and you can present on this content. Let's say you conduct webinars on it. Better yet, you write a book on it. You become known as thought leader in a specific space. Now you're going to be providing value to those conferences and to those events so they can bring you on. They, you can share your insights. Okay. That's another great way to differentiate yourself. But Many of the speaking engagements that you're going to get initially are probably not going to be in front of a large room or a full room unless you have some sort of specialization, niche focus, or you've differentiated yourself in some way where you can add a significant value. Now, you can also start, let's say, at many smaller conferences where everybody just books their friends. It's the same people at every conference, but you just become friends with the people who are booking their friends. I mean, that's another way to do it. Okay, you can play that game and you can start to build relationships with them and then they'll give you an opportunity if they're, you know, they're the ones that are booking speakers. That is a great way to do it. So it's either going to be you're going to pay to play, in which case you spend money in exchange for an opportunity to speak, or you build a relationship with the person who is booking the speaking engagements, right? You become friends with them and then they book you at their conference. Or finally, let's say you have a specialization or you, you provide expertise in a certain area that is a hot button topic that would be valuable to the people who are attending the conference. And you can get attention if you write a book or you become a thought leader in the space or you have a great podcast, whatever it is that you're doing that helps this, you, know, you to differentiate and stand out. Maybe you have like a specialization in a particular type of mass tort, or maybe you have a, a specialization in, like I was saying, artificial intelligence and law firms utilizing that, right? Or in outsourcing, you know, 
hiring and talent, whatever your specialization is, you have to match it up with the conference and what it is that they're looking for because many conference organizers are looking for great speakers that would be valuable to them, but you have to make sure that you can stand out in that front. So I would say those are the three primary ways to do it. The shortest path is pay to play. That's not my recommendation, but that is the shortest path. Essentially, you exchange dollars for a speaking opportunity. The reason why it's not my recommendation is usually what you're, what you're paying for, what you're exchanging the dollars for speaking opportunities are very poor speaking opportunities. There's no guarantee there's going to be a ton of people that are going to hear what you say. There's not going to be a ton of people in the room. And then if your goal is to be able to make a return on said investment, the amount that you're investing upfront for what the return needs to be is going to be very disproportional, right? It's going to be very difficult to see a return on that if you need to monetize that somehow. My recommendation is you become a person of value and someone that others want to book and speak at their conferences, but that's going to be a longer road. But then you're not paying to play. They're actually inviting you to speak at their conferences because you were so good that they cannot ignore you. That is the best way to do it. The reason I don't love the middle recommendation of like, let's say, playing the relationship game is unfortunately the only places you're going to be booked is at the places where you have relationships with other people. And then also, I don't know that those are built on the right foundation of, of integrity. I think everyone's just using everybody, right? I don't know if those are actual genuine relationships. And in the cases that they are, it's the same people on the same circuit speaking at the same events. And again, I'm going to catch a lot of flack for this answer. It's just the reality. I played this game for almost a decade. And in the end, we decided to host our own event. And, and now I can speak at my own event in front of the room that we fill. So you do whatever the hell you want. And then I can get to book the speakers that I want. And there's no pay to play at our, at our event. No one can pay us any amount of money to speak at our event. We just decide who's going to be most valuable. But that's our decision. So to each their own. I'm sure other people give different answers. This has just been my experience. Yep. We did it for a long time. So, all right. Next one. So I've been invited to speak at a legal conference, but the thought of standing up in front of a large audience terrifies me. So it's kind of an extension of the last one. How can I prepare for public speaking engagements and ensure I deliver a memorable and impactful presentation? No matter what you do, you're going to suck. Okay. You're going to be really bad. You're going to be bad your first time and probably the second time and the third time and the fourth time and the 10th time, and the 20th time. Nobody comes out of the womb a great speaker. It's a game of reps. The great speakers that you admire, that you see on stage, you say, oh, wow, they're amazing. Well, they've probably given a thousand or 10,000 presentations and they've gotten better over time. So there's no way around that. Like you just have to get the reps. I remember early on when I was kind of my version of like the traveling salesman, I had like this giant Pelican case where I brought like the monitor, I brought the computer, I brought the booth, and I would travel all across the country to these, uh, I guess they were masterminds, something like that, right? And we'd do like 20 to 25 of these a year, every week to every other week, I would travel to these things. And I remember that there'd be like three days of presentations, I would go last. So after everyone had sold everything, and everyone had spent all their money, then I had an opportunity to speak for 10 minutes. And I remember, like, I think of the second or third engagement, I gave my presentation, and afterwards, one of the speakers who was much more experienced than I said, hey, Mike, I appreciate your presentation. Can I, you know, I took some notes. Can I give you some feedback? And I said, absolutely. And he went on to give me, like, a 30 or 40-point list of all the things that I did wrong and that I needed to improve. Now, a normal human being would be tremendously offended. And I was hurt, I'll admit, right? I'm like, oh, man, I didn't think I was that bad. I thought you had maybe one or two things, but I didn't know, expect for you to have 30 or 40 things. But who was I to criticize, right? This person was like a renowned national speaker who was way better than I was. So I said, you know what? This person's trying to give me constructive feedback. And I made a significant effort over the next several months to correct every single one of those 30 or 40 items. And I started to improve. And as I started to do more and more and more speaking engagements, again, I started to get more comfortable. Anything that could have happened that can happen during a speaking engagement has happened to me. Like The pants. There's been times where I was going up on stage and I stepped up on the stage and my pants split in half. Okay, that's a great way to make an entrance. 
There's been times where the mic went out. There's been times where the slides didn't play. There's been times where videos wouldn't play. There was a time there was no screen. There was a time when they said, bring the slides, and then they said, wait, we have no screen. So there was no slides whatsoever. I mean, anything that could, could happen has now happened. And the great news is, is that now knowing that if anything happens, I feel fine. It's like you come to expect anything, you're now adaptable. So you're just going to get more comfortable and confident. Similarly, I remember at the very first Game Changer Summit in 2018, this is my first time really carrying two days of presentations because prior to this, maybe I was speaking in like a side room or something like that. I'd have like 10 or 20 minutes here, but here I was speaking for hours, right? On day one and day two. And I'll never forget at the second Game Changer Summit, the following year in 2019, the feedback that I got from people and they said, man, you were so much better at this one. And I said, well, what do you mean? Are you telling me that I sucked at the first one? And they're like, you were just so much better at this one. <laughs> And the point here is you're going to have to get a ton of reps in, okay? Of course, you got to be comfortable with your material, but hopefully what you're speaking on is something that you have a lot of knowledge and insight on, and that should be very natural to you, right? You shouldn't be presenting and speaking on things that you're not familiar about, right? Good luck with that. But the reality of it is so much of speaking, I mean, everything from your presence in the room, from how you articulate things to how you project your voice from how you move your arms, like, et cetera. There's so Pacing, much to it. storytelling, you know? like there's so many components. Yeah. So- the answer is, is that you're probably going to do very bad the first time. Now, I'm not saying you're going to like crash and burn and do horrible. It's just compared to where you will go as you continue to get more reps in, that future version of yourself is going to be way better at this. But there's no way around that unless you get a ton of repetitions in, unless you get a ton of practice in, and it's just going to require you to do a tremendous amount of speaking engagements, right? That's, it's going to allow you to become more comfortable and more confident, and there's no way to really shortcut that process. Of course, you should always, you know, rehearse and practice your presentation so you're very comfortable with your material. Maybe you practice in front of somebody else. I personally never really practice the presentation in front of somebody else before giving a presentation. I'd always kind of rehearse them in my mind. So every time I would give a presentation, it was the first time giving it in front of a group of people. That's just what worked for me. But the reality of it is, is that you got to get the reps in. No way around that. You're going to be bad. I don't mean to discourage you, but the good news is, is that you will get better. And the more and more that you do this, if you make a commitment to doing this, and again, it doesn't just have to be speaking on stage at a legal conference. It could be speaking in front of your team. It could be leading meetings. All of these give you an opportunity to become a better speaker and presenter. So the more of those that you do, it can be conducting webinars. It could be doing podcasts. Anything that gives you an opportunity to speak and present helps you get more reps in. So the more of that you do, and the more of you put yourself out there, the more likely you are to improve. Perfect. Absolutely. All right. Last one. I have been invited to participate in a panel discussion at a legal conference, but I'm not sure what to expect. What tips do you have for participating effectively in panel discussions and engaging with other speakers and the audience? Ah, yes, the panels, the infamous panel discussion. Yes. The easiest for an event organizer, the simplest thing like, to, to book in many ways because there's really no preparation involved outside of coming up with some questions. Now, if you're on a panel by nature, going to be other people that are also speaking on said panel. And maybe there's a theme, right? Maybe it's around practice management or marketing or litigation or trial skills, et cetera. You're typically booked along the lines of a certain theme. And then you have an interviewer who is asking each person questions. Now, depending on the quality of the interviewer, you may or may not get a ton of questions because they want to be able to ask everyone a question and then people are going to give different lengthy answers. So my recommendation to maximize the value that you get out, out of being on a panel is to provide valuable insights to the audience, okay? This is not the time to sell yourself. This is not the time to sell anything, any service, any product. Ironically, if your goal is to be able to 
get some value out of this for yourself, right? So meaning that let's say you want to get referrals from other lawyers, or let's say you want to sell your service or your product. The best way to do that is by not selling your service and your product and instead providing actual insights that can be helpful to people and not asking for anything. Meaning that when they call on you, give the answer that like you would want to hear and like would actually be valuable for someone if they wanted to undergo, you know, whatever the question is, how someone should approach it. And if they wanted to do it themselves, how they should do it themselves and also be succinct and be concise. And at the same time, it, this is not the time to try to one up other panelists and try to make yourself look better than somebody else. I think if you bring humility, like audiences can really see through a lot of that stuff. So you, you don't have to play this ego game or anything like that. Just when you're asked a question, try to provide the most valuable answer to someone. Don't hold anything back. There are no secrets. In fact, if you have secrets, share the secrets and just be valuable and insightful. The interviewer will appreciate that. The audience will appreciate that. That's probably going to lead to you being booked in more in the future. But if you want to screw this all up, do the opposite of everything I've just said. Okay. Like compete with the other panelists for time and attention Try to one-up other panelists. Try to be argumentative with, you know, other panelists. Try to, like, make yourself out to be some sort of hero. Try to sell your product or service. You do all those things, you're never going to be invited back. And honestly, it's not going to be a good return for you anyway because the audience is going to be turned off. So, again, I think the best thing to be is genuine and authentic and transparent and bring humility. And also, when you're answering questions, try to, like, experience share in your answer. So, like, actually sharing, well... Here was my experience with this. Here's how I went about this. Here's what I learned. And that way, if you're telling a story, there's some sort of narrative that goes along with it that can be helpful for people too. That's it's a great way for people to learn and that you could back this up instead of just saying yes, no, or any sort of like short answers that kind of disrespects the uh, whoever's, do, you know, the interviewer just because they say, okay, great. This person just gave me a short answer, but we still have another 30 minutes on this panel. So I need to be able to move on to the next person. I'm not, probably not going to call on this person again because they're giving me terrible answers. So Provide valuable answers. Keep it short and concise, right? Just to a couple minutes, three, you know, two, three minutes, something like that. Be insightful and valuable to your audience, right? The return you're going to get from this, if your goal is to monetize this somehow, is going to come after the panel, right? If someone's going to come up to you and say, hey, I'd really like for us to connect. Or I'd like to learn more about this. Or maybe nothing at the first one. Maybe you're going to do 10 of these and you're not going to get any return, right? That's just the nature of it. I don't know why people think that like they want to be some sort of speaker. Like you're just in general. I don't know why anyone wants to be like interlude, Okay. Why do you want to be a speaker? Why do you want to, to be some sort of influencer? Because I find that the people who want to be these things probably are the least likely to be those things. The best way to be a speaker is to achieve some sort of results or outcome in your own business or in your own practice, and then to share set insights as opposed to trying to become like an influencer that has no knowledge and no insights or any expertise to share. And by the way, just because you achieved a little bit of result, maybe you built a five or $10 million law firm, it's cute. So if you're doing this for status and ego reasons, it's probably not the best approach. But again, you could do whatever the hell you want. I'm just telling you that if your goal is to become a speaker because you're trying to monetize that and go on some speaker tour and be paid to speak and you have this dream in your mind that someone's gonna pay you to travel across the country and you're gonna go to Italy and you're gonna go to like Chicago and you're gonna go to all these amazing places and eat at these nice restaurants and you're gonna be on the speaker tour and then you're gonna have a book tour and then all that stuff and that's your goal, then you need to grow up, okay? Stop being a little baby and instead probably focus on your actual business where you can actually make some real money and you can grow that. And once you grow that, then guess what? Then people might ask you to go speak. Then you have things to talk about. That's right. All right. That's it. Thank you, Michael. My pleasure. You've been listening to the Game Changing Attorney podcast with Michael Mogul. If you found this episode valuable, here are three free ways that we can help you grow your law firm. Number one, 
Download the first chapter of Michael's book absolutely free at GameChangingAttorney.com. Number two, you can shoot Michael a text at 404-531-7691 and ask him any question you'd like. You might just hear the answer on the next episode. And finally, number three, if you can leave this podcast a five-star review, it will help us gain access to more influential thought leaders and bring their lessons learned here to you. For more information on this episode, see the show notes in your podcast app or visit LegalPodcast.com. 